brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. You're listening to Booth Talk from the Aftermovie Diner. And on this episode, we talk to B-movie acting icon and local Baltimore legend, George Stover. From the After Movie Diner. How are you doing, sir? Okay, how are you? I'm, I'm very good, I'm very good. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview with me. That's very kind of you, sir. Oh, my pleasure. I, you're from England, huh? I, I am, yeah. I mean, I now live in uh, New York City, but yes, I was uh, born... Oh, how about that? I, I didn't realize that. I must have missed that on your Facebook page, I guess. And you've, you've always been based in uh, Maryland, I understand. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's excellent. And, I've uh, done some films in other states like uh, Dracula's Widow was shot in North Carolina, and The Regenerated Man was shot in uh, New Jersey, and uh, Attack of the 60-Foot Centerfold was uh, shot in California. Yeah. From, I, mean, and, from, I mean, I've looked, I've looked at a lot of the films you just mentioned on, on uh, IMDb and, and, and read up on them. I can't wait to sort of get into them. The trouble is, is obviously holding down a... A job and doing the show every week, you end up actually uh, watching less films than you'd yeah, like. Yeah, I guess you're. Uh, I guess you're kind of busy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, we really do want to uh, uh, crack into those and try and try and get hold of them. Yeah, they, uh, they're all um, all the ones I mentioned are. Uh, well, Dracula's Widow's out on VHS. It's it's been released on DVD overseas, but not in America yet. But I just I just have a tiny part in that one anyway. Yeah. But uh, most of the others uh, should be uh, fairly easy to find, I hope. Excellent. No, I can't, I can't wait. I mean, it was the first thing we did after watching, because the last three we watched, we did uh, Alien Factor, Fiend, and Blood Massacre. And straight after Blood Massacre, we sort of rushed into, I've got a front room here set up with the computer and the recording equipment. Uh-huh. And we rushed back there to look on to IMDb and spent about an hour going through all the different films going, right, we have to see that one, we have to see that one. <laughs> Tonight, I wanted to just really sort of give my listeners a chance to get an overview of the things you've done. And, and also, we'll talk a little bit about the four movies so far that I've covered on the 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 podcast, just in a general general sort of way, it's been lovely to be in contact on uh, on Facebook as well. That's that sort of brought a lot of people into your 
into your sphere, I suppose, into your world. You've been able to connect with a lot more fans. Yes, and... I actually have met a lot of uh, people on Facebook, and a lot of people have seen my movies. And a lot of times when the Facebook uh, friendship requests come in, they mention uh, that they liked me and such and such. Or, or, or I mean, Usually it's people of the Don Dollar camp or the John Waters camp. Yeah, and are they are they still even despite all these other films? Are they still the two filmmakers you're most associated with? It seems that way, John. It seems that way. Most everybody who writes is either uh, into horror movies and you know low budget uh, science fiction and horror movies, or else they're uh, fans of John Waters, which and the, you know the two don't intersect very often. They're usually uh, a, a distance apart in the types of movies they are so, and their likes. So uh, I usually get people in one camp or the other. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, understandably, except I suppose the midnight midnight movie-going crowd would probably know both Waters and, and Dola from, you know, their, their midnight screenings of, you know, Alien, Alien Factor or, you know, Polyester or uh, Pink Flamingos or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So they probably cross a, a little there, but yeah, that's interesting. And I was going to—I was going to actually ask one of the questions I had had written down was, you know, has has the uh, Don Dola stuff specifically always been something throughout your career that people want to talk about, or was has it increased since the documentary John Kinhart's uh, Blood, Boobs, oh, and Beasts? Well, um, I guess. Well, I think really what's changed is uh, emails and the electronic. Uh, uh, media and uh, any kind of uh, electronic uh, communication because when I first made the Don Dollar movies, I mean, that was before uh, home computers and before email. So not too many people even uh, contacted me. Yeah. I might have gotten a, a, a letter in the mail every once in a blue moon, but people didn't know how to reach out to other people that much. Yeah. So uh, it, while those movies were being made, I didn't really... Uh, hear from anybody who enjoyed them because they had no way of uh, tracking us down. I mean, maybe occasionally they'd uh, track somebody down the phone, in the phone book. I mean, uh, Don, I remember Don Dollar telling me that every once in a while somebody tracked him down and called him on the phone and told him how much uh, they enjoyed the movies, but, but um, or through his, or through the magazine he published. Yeah. Cine Magic. But, other than that, there wasn't any way for uh, fans to reach out to the filmmakers or to people like me. Right. And, but once uh, emails came along and, and you, you could get a hold of somebody's email through a friend of a friend of a friend or yeah. Facebook came along, then it became more easy, more, much more easy for uh, people to find other people in the world. And, uh, and so I guess I have heard from a lot of people who like these movies from uh, just because Facebook was invented. And yeah. of course, I'm sure the documentary has uh, spread the word, so to speak, about Don. Yeah. To some degree. First of all, let's go back a bit. Um, was acting always the uh, sort of a first passion of yours from very young? Well, uh, I, when I was very young, I was a movie buff. I grew up uh, watching a, a lot of horror and science fiction movies during the 1950s, you know, all the the universal ones from those days, Tarantula and... Uh, oh, yeah, they're great ones. And I, and I watched the Hammer movies when they uh, became popular. You know, I mean, I saw I saw Curse of Frankenstein and Horror of Dracula in the theaters. 
Oh, wow. They're, they're some of my favorite, obviously. Oh, yeah, they were wonderful. And I, I was a real movie buff, but I, in particular, I liked uh, horror and science fiction. I, I didn't go to see too many of the A movies, but I always went to see the, uh, you know, the horror and science fiction movies. So I became interested in movies first, and then it wasn't until till I was in college that I uh, took any acting courses. Right. So that's kind of late compared to some people who are, you know, five years old and they say, oh, I, I want to act or, <laughs> or take uh, do plays in high school. I never did any plays in high school. It wasn't until college when I did some plays and took some acting courses. Yeah. And, and I always thought, you know, movies were kind of uh, impossible to be in or to make because all of them were made by studios that I ever saw. And then one time I saw I went to the drive-in and I saw um, Blood Feast and 2000 Maniacs that were made in Florida by Herschel Gordon Lewis. Oh, yeah, no, I know them well. They're great, yeah. Yeah, and I said, wow, I can't believe this. Not, not just because of the gore, but because I'm watching this movie in the drive-in, and it was shot in 35 millimeter, and the image is clear, and the colors are bright, yet there's something a little bit amateurish about it. It doesn't look like it was made by a studio in California, and that's when I kind of discovered a low-budget independent filmmaking. Yeah. And I said, wow. And I said to myself, geez, I could probably act as well as many of the people in those movies. You know? Yeah. And I said, wow, maybe it's possible to make a movie for a smaller budget and in a different part of the country other than California. Uh, of course, this was um, before the invention of the video camera. So in order to make a movie, you needed to use motion picture film yeah. and have real movie cameras. And then, you know, I was going about my business, going to school and everything. And uh, after uh, I got out of college, I read in the newspapers about this local filmmaker named John Waters. And that was, you know, to have a local filmmaker in your city was rare back in the 1970s. Yeah. Because there were no, uh, nowadays it's quite different. Everybody with a, uh, a computer and a, a um, video camera is a filmmaker. Yeah. But in the 70s, if you wanted to make a film, you had to really have some, uh, get some, have some resources to put all the equipment together and everything else. Yeah. And, a little, and a little bit of money to pay for the processing. It was a lot more expensive. And this guy, John Waters, was making these movies. And, um, I had gone to, um, I had been in eighth grade homeroom with a guy named John Waters, but I wasn't really sure if it was the same person or not. And I, I saw an ad, uh, I saw an article in the newspaper that uh, about this John Waters guy who was making these bizarre movies. And uh, he, uh, it said he had trouble finding, uh, you know, normal looking people to play parts like teachers and parents because all of his immediate friends had a, uh, purple hair or weighs 300 <laughs> pounds or whatever. Right. So I, I, I the newspaper article told, uh, said where his, um, where he grew up on what street. And I looked it up in the phone book and I called the house there. Uh, I looked up the water, water's, uh, address on a uh, name on that street. And I ended up talking to his mother and she gave me his, uh, apartment address where he lived at the time. And I, uh, uh, sent him a picture and a resume or whatever, and then his assistant, uh, Pat Moran, called me and wanted wanted to know if I'd want to be in uh, female trouble and play the priest at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So I said, sure. 
And, uh, you know, I went to the um, a meeting or something or a run-through or whatever, and I, I met John Waters, and it was the same person I had known in the eighth grade. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In fact, so, you know, uh, right in the front room of my house now, I have a, 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 a yearbook from junior high school, and I, you can see pictures of us uh, on different pages. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I was in female trouble, and then um, I auditioned for Desperate Living and got a nice part in that one as well. And then I met this other guy named Don Dohler, who uh, whose dream it was to uh, make a movie too. But you know, like I said, movie makers in Maryland were far and few between. I don't think anybody shot an independent movie in 35 millimeter at the time. No. John Waters used 16 at that time, 16 millimeter. And this fellow named Don Dohler was heavily influenced by you know, Forbidden Planet, and he wanted to make a science fiction movie. Yeah. And, uh, well, we talked about it, you know, it seemed like an impossibility, but um, it finally happened, as you heard about and saw in the documentary. Yeah. And uh, I was involved with that, and uh, I got a part in that movie, and so we were on our way. And so in the 70s and uh, 80s, it was it seemed like it was just uh, John Waters and Don Dole are making movies in Baltimore. And now nowadays, there's a, quite a few more uh, filmmakers. Yeah in Baltimore, but uh, you didn't have too many back in the old days. No, no, I can imagine. No, I, I've, I've spoken subsequently from doing the, the shows as well with Robert Long over at oh, yeah. Smash or Trash, the filmmaking right. website. Yeah, he's and a friend of mine. Yeah, so he, he's been telling me about a lot of the productions that go on and has, you know, strongly suggested that we, we watch, you know, the later ones, Harvesters and, and Dead Hunt and so on, which we had every intention of doing. And we, we've struck up an email correspondence as well. He's a very nice, very generous gentleman, it seems. In fact, just today he emailed me to uh, uh, wish me luck on the interview and, you know, tell me to say hi and so on and uh, sent me some links from the website. And he's going to be sending me a DVD from Crawler, the special right. effects stuff. And and apparently an interview that you you did for him for uh, for the website. Oh, the interview. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Great. Great. Well, I I can't. I mean, I looked at the cast list, especially. You know, obviously, my initial fandom came from the first few Don Dola movies, and there is that group of you with yourself and Anne Frith and Don Leifert and Dick Dizel and Tom Griffith and so on, who reoccur. And I think that for for me personally, I've always been attracted to filmmakers who keep a group around them, keep right. keep a, <laughs> yeah. you know keep a good loyalty going mm-hmm. amongst either a cast or a repertory company of people. And so when I saw the cast list of Crawler, I mean, you know, I really wanted to see it because it's all you guys back again, you know. And so I can't wait for that to be finished do you do you know sort of whereabouts can you tell us anything any scoop about where whereabouts it is in the stages at the moment well, uh, they're working on the uh, cgi effects now of the monster i mean all the uh, live action's been shot for several years and, right uh, i mean they might have to do i guess they're gonna they still have to do the credits and maybe some music and stuff but uh i mean a lot of the music's been composed but maybe they have to do a little music editing and stuff but they're basically still working on the uh, CGI monster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I hope it'll come out soon. I mean, I don't know exactly when. Nobody will commit to an exact date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I'm assured that it's uh, being uh, faithfully worked on as, uh, 
as people's schedules permit. Of course. Right. Uh, well, we're all very anxious to see it when it when it does come. Where hopefully, if there is a screening in Baltimore, we'll all come down from. Oh, that's wonderful! From New York to watch it. Yeah, just uh, to mentioning the other cast members, as I said, from the, that that group of you who all started out on Alien Factor and progressed with Don from there. Did you want to say just a little bit? I mean, initially, a little bit about working with Don, um, your relationship with Don, what 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 that was like. Well, we were uh, strong uh, personal friends as well as professional friends, and uh, we would talk on the phone endlessly. This was before emails when I first met him, of course, just on uh, the telephone, and we'd talk for hours and hours over the course of uh, time and, uh, you know, share thoughts. And He was often the optimist, and I would be the realist, so he would talk about things he wanted to do, and I would counterbalance that with sometimes the uh, disadvantages of doing it or the, you know, the fact that it might not work or the fact <laughs> yeah. that it cost too much so i kind of he liked to I, he used me as a sounding board so to speak yeah so we uh worked well together and uh you know it was a, I miss those days yeah i can i can only imagine it was obviously it, you don't really see it coming watching the the story of his life you don't see it coming what what obviously sadly eventually became I the know, end of the I'm film so no, so it's 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 wonderful to discover these films and this, in, you know, I think incredibly talented man and incredibly, you know, respectable man and honourable person who kept his friends close and seemed to be a loyal loyal person and always used the same people. And as I say, I've I've always sort of been drawn to that. I just there's lots of filmmakers who do it and there's lots of great sort of uh, director actor partnerships. And I think that. Right. You know, yourself and, and, and Don, that really comes through the films, you know, that passion that you both have. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, and, and then the other person I think that, that we always associate with, certainly from Night Beast, I'm thinking Night Beast and Alien Factor, is, of course, Anne Frith. And uh, how, how was it working with Anne? Oh, it was delightful. Uh, she was um, always, always uh, had a smile and was always in good spirits and... Um, and she would often use, let us use her home for locations or for parties afterwards. And, um, yeah, I miss her. She's gone, of course. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she was a lot of fun to work with. And um, How did you meet her? How, was it just through the films? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I was in a play with her before The Alien Factor. Yeah. I believe that's where I met her in a play. That's where I met Eleanor Herman. She she was I met her in a play and I was she was just fifteen or something like that at the time I told her about Don Dolor so it was, I I take credit for introducing her to Don Dolor yeah and of course she's gone on to write a couple of books now did you know that I didn't know that no that's interesting yeah uh, she's uh, look up Eleanor Herman on the um, on Google or something she's written a, a couple of historical books one's called Sex with Kings. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about the sex lives of a lot of these uh, people in history. Oh wow! Okay. Over in Europe, and um, but it's—I forget the publisher, but it was a prestigious publisher who published it. Sure. And so look at look her up. Uh, try to Google her, and you'll be surprised at what you come up with. I don't see her very often, but every once in a while, our paths will cross. And uh, same with Dick Dizel. He was—he's always been a fun fun person to work with. Yeah, he seems like a a, a really. Uh... A live one, you know, a lively one from all yeah. the, from <laughs> I the. Used to watch him on TV, uh, many, uh, for a long time before I uh, met him in person. Yeah, because he was Count Gordeval. Gordeval, yeah. yes, he 
I had a show on every Saturday night from Washington, D.C. I know another sadly departed gentleman, but Don Don Leafoot, who was obviously a big presence in the first few uh, Dola movies as well. What was it like working with Don? Oh, it was very interesting. He was quite a character. And um, I met him at uh, various conventions, I believe, like horror movie conventions. I worked with him after we worked in The Alien Factor and uh, I guess Fiend, he... He cast me in a play he was directing, so I worked with him uh, professionally too. He was uh, in, in a, on the stage, yeah. So he was uh, quite an interesting fellow, and uh, you know we got along very well together and spent a lot of time socializing and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry he passed away. Uh, yeah, it's sad because he was he was one year younger than Don. He was 59 and Don was 60, I think. Yeah. No, it's. Uh... It was that, and obviously I, I saw I saw about that, obviously post the documentary, I think, because it wasn't included in that, there was a, like a posthumous sort of showreel interview segment put together about Don afterwards, which I, which I sort of discovered when I was first getting into all of this. Mm-hmm. Are there any sort of stories from the set, from, from any well, of those early movies? Uh, it was funny. Sometimes, well, I think for virtually every movie, Don Dohler made a blooper reel. He would pick out the best bloopers and uh, put them on a blooper reel and show them at the cast party. Yeah. And then they're they're on the DVDs and uh, in many cases. But uh, Don Lightford, um, when he would um, make a mistake during a take, he would turn it into something funny. I would just stop if I like if I would make a mistake, I would just stop or say a dirty word or something. But he would yeah. turn it into some funny thing. He'd always make funny expressions or, uh, you know, try to peek above the clapboard or something like that. He'd, he'd always turn a, a, he'd always make a blooper more entertaining than it would have been other, otherwise. Yeah. So, uh, that was, that was a, a funny, funny thing about him. And, uh, but he was like, uh, quite a, quite a, um, spirited character. You knew he was in the room whenever he was around. He didn't, yeah. he, was no wall, he was no wallflower in the background. He kind of uh, made himself known. Yeah. <laughs> certainly real. comes across on on film uh-huh yeah he was a real uh character and i got to know his parents and his sister and his daughter and his uh ex-wives and uh of course he, he ended up he married uh that girl in the movie right mary mertens yeah and uh and then i suppose the the, the missing piece of the puzzle is tom griffith who's i mean he's in the obviously night beast and alien factor predominantly and then has a small role in Fiend, I think, correct? Right, well, Tom, uh, I'm not sure where Don met him, but uh, we got along well together, but Tom moved to Florida, so I don't, I haven't seen him in years. Right. We're, we're Facebook friends, and every once in a while we'll write each other a message, but um, I, uh, you know, he moved out, of, he moved a long distance away, so I don't, uh, I don't, I haven't talked to him in years or seen him in years. Right. Richard Ruxton's another fellow I miss. He he uh, passed away. Yeah. He was in uh, some of those uh, Night Beast and uh, Blood Massacre and uh, Galaxy Invader. Yeah, well, that's Galaxy Invader is the one we're going to watch that um, this Friday with uh, oh, great. as a double bill with Alien Factor Two. Right. Um, a lot of children like the Galaxy Invader. I think they they call the monster the Green Man. <laughs> And he's kind of, it's not a bloodthirsty movie, so it, it appeals well, to, it plays well to children. Yeah. You know, it's a, a, um, children seem to like that movie for some for some reason. 
And uh, I guess it's because it's 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 not too um, gory. Right. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Oh no, definitely. I was I was actually I was going to ask. I mean, what uh, we obviously haven't seen them yet, but uh, is is there anything we can expect from them? We should specifically be looking out for any fun little bits that you like, particularly you personally like. Well, of course, you know about you know how that was uh, shown on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. They took some footage from that movie and put it at the beginning of Pod People. Right. Okay. I. I uh, that's the curious thing about that movie. Yeah. And uh, um, that movie was purchased by Wade Williams. After uh, That's who owns it now. Right. And I'm trying to think of anything that you might uh, note. Of course, there's D- my Don's, uh, Don Dolor's children play um, my children, or my brother and sister in the movie. Right. And uh, the girl in there, Teresa Harold, I believe she calls herself, or maybe she has a different name, I, Forget I forget her real name versus her stage name at the moment, but uh, I discovered her. Yeah. She was Don Leifert's uh, girlfriend in the movie. Oh, okay. I discovered her and worked with her in some plays, and uh, I discovered her and brought her on board to that movie. And she's married to um, Dave Kelts, who is an Edgar Allan, a professional Edgar Allan Poe impersonator. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so you can look him up. You can Google him up. David Kelt, so um, if anybody wants to hire a good uh, Edgar Allan Poe impersonator, they can uh, check him out on his website. Excellent. And uh, let's see, trying to think of any, of course, you know, uh, it was uh, a couple of Don Dollar's uh, nieces are in the movie. The, a couple of the little girls playing in the house, with, and the, the father yells at them or something there. They're just in one shot, they're Don Dollar's nieces. Oh, excellent. I, there's a little story about the Richard Ruxton's T-shirt. Okay. He has this torn T-shirt in the movie, and um, he tore it on purpose just for the movie to add a little bit to his character. Right. And then he was told that his part was wrapped. So he threw the T-shirt away, figuring I can't use it because it's torn. And then uh, so, so then he was told that, oh, we got Dick, we got to uh, shoot, shoot a couple more scenes. I'm sorry we told you you were wrapped. Can you come back? But he'd already thrown away his T-shirt, so he was—he once complained to me that he had to tear up another T-shirt. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess that wasn't covered covered by the budget of the movie, so he had to make that personal sacrifice of another yet another T-shirt. <laughs> right. The trials and tribulations of making a, a film. Yeah, but they—they're kind of—I think that's what sort of makes it fun. It's the idea that someone pressed on regardless, you know what I mean? And and, and uh, fulfilled the vision over slightly little practical hip- hiccups. Right. Yeah. I never paid attention that much to the Galaxy Invader to see if I could spot two different T-shirts in it, but supposedly uh, maybe you could tell by the tear that it's not exactly, you know, the yeah. tear, location of the tear might change a little bit, but uh, supposedly you wore two different T-shirts Okay, cool. Well, we'll be sure to. I'll be sure to tell uh, Nick and Nick, Nick and my friend Phil, who'll be watching it with me, who were on the the last episode. Uh, I'll I'll tell them that, and we'll have it. We'll have a look out. The, the 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 last film I wanted to talk about was Blood Massacre because it it's a it's got that interesting history because obviously it was filmed twice. But on top of that, it it had a different feeling. It obviously it obviously is outside of the usual supernatural or sci-fi sure, yeah it is quite different 
Yeah, I mean, until obviously the, the the end reveal, and we we loved that film. I mean, just gen, genuinely loved that film and thought it was thought it was great, but could also see its potential. Did you have any, you know, on a on the national marketplace, it could have been a much more prominent film along with those sort of eighties horror movies, the slasher horrors, and the you know of, of that of that ilk it could have really played alongside those and it was a shame i think what happened in the production of it or the the, oh, yeah. the distribution of it then it was purely by luck that he then got it back oh i know in order um, to distribute it which is which is great for us fans because it's a it's a fantastic film and a great lead performance by yourself well it was one of my favorite roles because it was something different for me to play a, a, a bad guy mm-hmm as opposed to the mild, meek uh, scientist or <laughs> accountant or whatever. So yeah. it was a change of pace for me, so I liked it for that reason. Yeah, and I like that Don went went that way with you and that he saw that, that potential and that he went ahead yeah, and... Yeah, I was glad uh, that he uh, trusted me for that part because uh, he might have thought that I was too nice a guy to play a, that kind of role. But, um, you know, I was fairly pleased with the way I... Um, did the role and uh, it was a lot of fun uh, I really enjoyed that movie yeah do you remember anything or about the original uh, video shoot of it before it was then transferred and then refilmed on on yeah film? I, I, I had a I didn't have the lead role in the uh, video shoot I, uh, oh okay yeah I got promoted to the um, I didn't know that okay yeah I had a lesser role in the video shoot and uh but I think the guy who had the lead role was uh, unavailable or uninterested. I forget which. Right. And so I was, uh, I got promoted to the top billing. Yeah. In the in the film version, which was fine with me, but the video version was, um, it was fun to do that too. We shot that on you know three quarter inch videotape. Yeah. But um, it was never, a lot of it was edited together, but it didn't have music or many effects and I, I think it was uh, it wasn't finished as far as the ending uh, not often you get to play the same get to, um, do the same thing twice no indeed <laughs> but and get to and get promoted to a, a, right, a bigger right. part that was the best part uh, that's the only movie in which I've had uh, top billing and uh, I wish it had been uh, distributed better but uh, yeah. there was that problem with the work print and everything else which a technical problem you probably noticed when you saw the movie, it wasn't. There were a lot of scratches and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think there was there was issues as well with the like the distributor and the, and his son and his father or something. There was some family issue that went on there, and it, yeah. it meant that the I forget exactly what it is, but there was some reason why the the film didn't get out the way that it was intended, which I always right. found odd because they they gave him. Uh, when they saw the video shoot, they gave him more money to make it on film, right? right so yeah. it seemed odd they then didn't, you know, push know, it for all it was worth. Did you watch the VHS version or the DVD version? It's the DVD version, the one that comes on a comes with five other movies. Right, right, Serial Psychos. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the VHS version is a little bit longer. Oh, okay. I think Don trimmed it down a little bit. I'm not sure by how many minutes, but somebody told me uh, there, there was a difference in the running time. A, a friend of mine actually watched them uh, uh, simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> and noted that. That's an interesting experiment. Don, uh, yeah. Don trimmed it. I mean, Don uh, did a few little things to improve it. Right. But he, he actually uh, worked on it personally for the DVD version. Right. As opposed to somebody else tampering with it. So, uh, but yeah, I think he made a, tightened up a few scenes and uh, added a few little uh, transitions or, or, or things. Yeah. So, um, I, I try to collect... Every version I can find of all my movies, and by by every version I mean VHS, DVD, USA, British, any every country I can find. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm uh, really. It's, it's a it's a ongoing search, and I still don't have have them all yet. But I um I have many different uh, overseas you know foreign versions. Yeah. Uh, the British version of the Alien Factor on VHS. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, the it was released in England, um, and it, you know, um, with different artwork than the USA version. Sure. And, and uh, too much to talk about. It's a lot of them. Let's put it that way. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's <laughs> fantastic. You're gonna um, discuss the Galaxy Invader and what other one? Uh, Alien Factor Two. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because it's his first one back as a director again, right? Right, After, yeah. after a, long, a long gap. And what was it like? Uh, tell us a little bit about what was it like with Don, obviously, during that, that hiatus, and then what sort of spurred him on to get back into the... Well, Don had, had been on hiatus, as you mentioned, but I could tell that deep down he'd like to make another movie. But he had been, um, he had lost touch with uh, the changes in filmmaking techniques. You know, the, uh, now things were edited on a computer instead of on a flatbed editor. And the, the people used, uh, you know, things, special effects had changed. They were being done a different way than they used to be done. And he kind of felt out of touch. Yeah. And I think he had lost contact with a lot of his old uh, colleagues who may have, uh, supplied him with equipment. So what happened was, I had uh, met this fellow named Joel Denning, and I was in a, a movie he made here in Baltimore, and he owned his own 16mm camera. And I said, wow, this guy Joel has his 16mm uh, camera, and Don would love to get back in the business again. And Joel was a fan of Don's movies. So I said, let's put them together. So I, I introduced them, and they formed uh, 2D Productions, which meant Dollar and Denning. Yeah, excellent. And they made uh, The Alien Factor, too. But, of course, at the time, they, they were calling it Alien Rampage. Right. That was the shooting title. And the, the title to Alien Factor, the title of Alien Factor 2 was uh, invented by Fred Olin Ray because his company bought the DVD rights. But anyway, we were shooting this movie called Alien Rampage, and we were using Joel Denning's 16-millimeter camera, and that was the first movie uh, that Don had, that Don made, in which he had open auditions. Right. Heretofore, he had only cast people he uh, knew directly as friends or 
or highly recommended from other friends as, as being reliable people and could act. But uh, with Alien, Alien Rampage, that was the first movie Don made where he had open auditions for the public to come in and audition. Yeah. And that's uh, where he met Joe Ripple. Joe Ripple played a uh, role in Alien Rampage, and uh, Don and Joe had never met each other, but they got along famously. Yeah. And um, at the time, uh, Joe was a police officer, and so he was familiar with firearms. He could bring firearms and could teach other actors how to use firearms so that, that it looked like they were holding them in a realistic manner. So then that, that's what led to Time Warp Films. Yeah. So I take credit for introducing uh, indirectly uh, Joe Ripple and, uh, and Don. Don Doler because if, it, if I hadn't have introduced um, uh, Don Doler to Joel Denning, Alien, Alien Rampage would probably never be made and uh, Don would probably never make meet uh, Joe Ripple in, in such a way that they would become good friends like they did. Yeah. No, I mean, so, it seemed um, like a very fortuitous meeting. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun movie to make, and I met a lot of young people who really wanted to uh, pursue acting. So it was like, I met a lot of people who were more enthusiastic than in the past. Some of the ones in the past were kind of dragged into the projects, and, you know, they weren't that sold on acting as a pursuit. But the, uh, the, a lot of the folks I met in the Alien Rampage were very uh, interested in acting, and I guess many of them are still doing it. And um, so it was a very interesting project. I really liked it. And that was my uh, Saturn that was used as a police car. Right. And uh, I'm still in touch with some of the people on Facebook. Some of the cast members are my Facebook friends. Oh, excellent. Uh-huh. And um, I really enjoyed that movie. And uh, uh, the fellow who made the um, costume, Doug Ulrich, I'm still in touch with him. I've, I've worked with him since then many times. And... Uh, he made the monster costume, and uh, oh, excellent! We were fortunate enough to be able to sell the movie to um, uh, Fred Olin Ray, who put it out on DVD. That was I, I really liked that movie. It's one of the few movies I can give to um, when I meet somebody new who's not into these horror movies. Yeah, Alien Factor Two is one of the few movies I can give them, and say, hey, why don't you watch one of our movies? And they, it won't have any cussing in it. It won't have any um, body getting their head cut off and, and, and blood spurting out. <laughs> right. And it won't have any uh, nudity. And so, you know, because some of these movies I couldn't give to somebody I didn't know I didn't know uh, really, really well. Right. Because when you meet somebody in real life, they may want to see something without, uh, you know, nudity and gore and uh, extreme violence. So Alien, Alien uh, Rampage or Alien Factor 2 is one I give away a lot of copies of to f folks I meet who... Uh, you know, aren't diehard uh, gore hounds. Yeah. <laughs> and the old gang is back in a sense. Ann Frith is in there and uh, Richard Ruxton. And we have a lot of interesting locations. We got a real uh, sheriff's office this time. Yeah. And there's a real, that jail cell in there is a real jail cell. Oh, excellent. It's I'm not, really looking uh, forward to it. It's not homemade like uh, <laughs> it would have been otherwise. We actually uh, got uh, the old. Uh, sheriff's office of a small town and and, and used uh used the jail cell and it uh had a lot of interesting effects yeah and and what's your the what's your personal feeling towards the the shift from the old style man in a suit 
prosthetic monster effects oh. to uh, CGI or or those well, kind of digital effects. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of old fashioned, John. I I grew up on a man in the suit costumes, but uh, yeah, you know, if they're done well, I don't mind them. I mean, one of my favorite monsters is the creature from the Black Lagoon, mm. and that's a man in a suit. Of course, it's a it's a great suit. Yeah. No, I love one of the, one of the genuine reasons I love the 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 Dola movies that we've seen so far is that the uh-huh. the men in the the suits are, you know, considering a lot of the films that we've seen are done in in Don's back back garden or whatever, and they're that they're that kind of production. The suits are, I, I mean, I think incredible. I mean, especially the Night Beast suit. It might not have you know a lot of facial movement or whatever, but the actual face is sculpted right. incredibly. It's you know, I, mean, I like uh, men in suit costumes, and I. I mean, CGI is nice, but I think it's overdone today in some of the movies. Uh, Couldn't agree with you more, George. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I grew up with Ray Harryhausen movies, with stop-motion animation, and I just think I would rather watch a stop-motion animation dinosaur or any kind of other creature that Ray Harryhausen um, made than, than something created... CGI. Yeah, I I honestly couldn't agree with you more, and I'm not I'm not just saying that. I much prefer uh, stop motion animation and men in suits and practical effects and prosthetics. Right. I think that uh, there's a genuine art in it. Right. So I'm kind of like from the old school when it comes to those things like that. Yeah. But Alien Rampage has. No. Well, the actual there was an actual spaceship model made. Right. It was really big. And a guy named Phil Lister made it. Who's a Facebook friend? He's a, a model, professional model maker, and so forth, an artist. And he made this gigantic. You'll see pictures of it in a still photo gallery. Okay. Of the miniature set with this spaceship, uh, spaceship in the forest. They were like little trees used in railroads and stuff. Oh wow! Excellent. Railroads, except they were about a foot tall, the trees. And um, so it was a, it was a real model. But some of the background plates. Shots of the of the uh, ship in the sky were a little um, weren't done too well for some reason, but the monster itself is a uh, is a man in a costume. Then we have a lady dressed up as an alien. Right. So there's no complete there's no real uh, uh, monster done in CGI. That, no. That didn't come along until Crawler. There's some special effects which were done in the computer. Right. Like ray guns and stuff stuff like that and. Uh, and probably some other things, but I mean, I, I really liked it, and uh, it's one of my favorite Dolor movies, Alien Rampage. Oh, brilliant! Well, we'll, we'll definitely look forward to it then. So, you would your your favorite two is sort of Blood Massacre and Alien Rampage. Probably so. I mean, I like the earlier ones for sentimental reasons. You know, I like. Right. I mean, I like it, the first Alien Factor because it was my first science fiction movie. Yeah. It was the first first science fiction movie shot in Maryland. I liked Night Beast a lot. Two. I mean, I like the earlier ones, but I thought uh, Alien Factor Two has probably some better acting in it because of a lot of the young people who were, uh, you know, serious about act- acting, and they were and they beat out a lot of the competition for roles. Right. So I think you'll see some, uh, you know, more competent acting in Alien Factor Two. Oh, we yeah. we like the acting in the first few movies just fine, George. We think. Oh, good. You know, you know, Don Lefford has a cameo in Crawler. Oh, excellent! Yeah, no, I saw I saw the cast list of Crawler, and I just I can't wait to see it. It it's so um, I mean it's great that they're working so hard on the CGI, but I almost want to say 
just don't worry about it. Stick a guy in a suit, film that, and get it out. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's how it started out. It was supposed to be a guy in a suit, but that didn't work out too well. Right. So uh, I'm looking forward to Crawler myself. Yeah. Did Don find that when he went back to directing in the, at the end of the 90s and the beginning of the millennium that he was getting more... Obviously, the internet was still fairly in its infancy, but it had been around a couple of years. Did he find that there was... Uh, more people then at that point contacting him or contacting yourself? I don't think too many people. Uh, I think he really um, probably didn't realize how popular it was becoming until um, these guys came along to do the documentary. Right. And uh, he had some local publicity in a magazine, a local tabloid called The City Paper. He had the cover story uh, article in there. I think. It wasn't until late in his life that he was probably realizing uh, how popular the movies were real really had become. Yeah. Although that's not completely true because see he had he published a magazine called Cine Magic. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That gave people an address to send stuff to him. And you know that's how I met J.J. Abrams. Right. But he made a lot of contacts through the magazine, so I'm sure he had. An, Enough fan, a lot of fan mail from that magazine as well. When's JJ going to put put you in his next film? That's what I want to know, George. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, uh, I haven't contacted him, and he's never contacted me. I might wait till he's not so busy and approach him. Right now, he's filming. He's he's uh, too busy and successful. Maybe I'll wait till he's uh, past his prime and he's only making one series or one film every so often. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now we'll write to him. I thought you would you would crop up on uh, you know Lost or something as one of the the Islanders or no I don't think I don't think he uh, I mean I, he's fond of uh, I think he's proud of uh, he was proud to get get in the movie at the time, uh, get his uh, get some um, experience at the time and of course but I I don't know if anybody told you the story that um, uh, somebody from his production company uh, called Don and uh, JJ's birthday was coming up yeah. And um, he got Don to send an autographed poster, a, a video poster. I think they're about 11 by 14. Yeah. Uh, from Night Beast. And supposedly uh, it's on, on, or it used to be on, it supposedly it used to be, or maybe it still is, on J.J. Abrams' desk or a wall or something. It's in his office, supposedly. Right. According to the rumor. Mr. Abrams, I'm sure, is too busy to... Uh, well, he's he's missing some valuable resources by not uh, having you. having yourself in. You yeah, I wish you were a casting agent or, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, man, I mean, if if I was J.J. Abrams and I'd worked with all you guys or knew all you guys way a long time ago and I was lucky enough to get in the position where he is now, I would, uh, of course, I'd made it, you know, put you in Star Trek as Spock's father or something. Oh, <laughs> um, um, well... <laughs> I wish everybody thought that way, John. Well, you know, you, that's why I like about Don and, and him. He remembered who his friends were. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, that's one of the things I liked about him, too. He kept using the same uh, folks over and over again. And uh, and, we, and do you still work with Joe? I mean, is Joe still... Well, I had a little part in uh, his last movie, uh, Jebediah, you know. Right. Um, that, hasn't come out, that hasn't come out yet. Yeah, I'm not seeing it on his listings. It was great when watching the documentary, and obviously a lot of it takes place around the making of Dead Hunt, because that's right. when John was was there filming. And it was great to see the car pull up, and then you step out of the car, and we were like, "Yeah, he's still in the, <laughs> you know, he's 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 in the movie this time round as well." Right. That's fantastic. 
It's uh, it's great, and it was because we saw Night Beast first, and obviously we had got used to the, you know, you and Anne Frith playing the the doctors in it. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, my my wife in particular of all the of all the performances in it and of all the characters in it was a was a big fan of your role in in Night Beast. Oh my gosh! Really liked it and thought oh, okay. thought it. Thank her for me. Oh, I, I will do. No, she'll be she'll be pleased to pleased to know <laughs> know that I told you. Oh, I wish she was a casting agent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, we loved that, and then of course in Alien Factor. We, we didn't really sort of read up anything about it. We just put the DVD in and went ahead and was looking forward to it. And, of course, there's the scene where it's precursed by the sign that says, I forget the name of the character, but whoever it is, MD, and there's the white sign. And then there's a long shot of the house, and, and uh, you both come walking out, and there was, a, there was a spontaneous round of applause from the three of us in our living Aww. room. <laughs> when you two came walking out, we were like, yes, it's, <laughs> it's George and Anna back again. Thank you. Because, um, of course, it was a funny way round to watch it, but it, it sort of works because we got to know everyone on Night Beast and then sort of went back and watched Alien Factor with you know, more educated, better eyes, you know what I mean? And so it's sort of, uh, Alien Factor and Blood Massacre have so far been my favourites because I just, I felt like Alien Factor really worked. The soundtrack is very good and the the effects are, are great and the, um, I mean, I know Don never did any uh, of the stop motion again, but it was it was great to see him try that at the oh, end yeah. of the movie. Well, a lot of people complained because you could see through the, mo- the monster at the end, but it was supposed to be an energy being. Yeah like in Forbidden Planet, and yeah. so that's the reason, that's the reason it's supposed to be, uh, you can, that was the excuse for being able to see through it. Oh, that made perfect sense to us, because uh-huh. of course it had, it had been stated in the movie at some point that it can only be seen in the darkness, and because that scene was shot at dusk, right. uh, or either early morning or dusk, it was a, a sort of grey grey blue sky we figured mm-hmm. that it could only partially be seen so it made complete sense to us when we watched it and right. uh, I thought considering it was a, a composite shot of a, of a stop motion uh, monster with Don Leifert obviously fighting nothing on a <laughs> you know right, on, right. on a hillside to, to put that, those two things together was and, and to have it work because it really worked I mean it looks like Don is interacting with the monster, and it's um, I well, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, Did you see that version on the um, DVD called Alien Fiend, where it's a double feature? Yes, yes, that's the one okay. we have. Yeah, I just because that uh, one of the extras is the previous version of the uh, stop motion that some local person did. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess you heard my audio commentaries. <laughs> I, 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 I studied B-movie horrors like the night before I did them. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) And by the time I got to doing Fiend, I was pausing a lot because I couldn't think of much more to say. (laughs) Oh, right. No, I loved loved those two, and I thought... um... The commentaries, and we love the uh, the George Stover gallery on both. Oh yeah, well. that's always fun. <laughs> it was nice to throw that in. The it's it's the one shame about Blood Massacre is there wasn't obviously on that box set. There's not any uh, extra I features. I know, that's a shame. Um, but uh, and it, it's it, it's nothing happening with the rights to that. I mean that they, they, they can't pull it from somewhere and do a special edition or something. Or? Well, I think um, it's kind of fuzzy who owns the rights. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't know where, I don't think anybody knows, uh, anybody, nobody here in Baltimore knows where the, 
original film elements are. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have stills. We could make a still gallery and we could make a, do an audio commentary, but nobody, uh, I don't think, has any bloopers or behind the scenes or... Uh, right. And, you know, like I say, the rights are questionable. Yeah, I think that's that's about everything, George. Did you have anything that you wanted to uh, to talk about in specific, or something that you had planned that I've not covered in my questions? Mm -hmm. No, I just I don't think so. I just wanted to thank you for interviewing me and 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 remembering these movies and and like and enjoying them so much. Oh, you're more than welcome, George. I mean, we I will keep I will keep ringing the bell as long as I have the show and as long as there are movies of Don's and yours to watch. You know. Great, I appreciate it. All right, George. Well, look, thank you ever so much for doing this. My Very pleasure, kind of John. you. Take care now. You too. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye. I know you. I'm watching you right now. <laughs> not really. Or maybe I am. However, I guess you're sat there late at night, probably not wearing much and scratching yourself, scouring some podcast-providing service, desperate to find the one glimmer of hope in a sea of blabbermouth halflings expounding their opinions to nobody. You like B-movies, but which B-movie podcast do you pick? Well, look no further. Bypass the rows and rows of other shiny shows and delve instead into the beautiful and brilliant B-movie bargain bin. You know how you know it's good? No, it's not just the beards the hosts have, although that's a definite plus. It's the films, it's the fun, it's the fact that by listening to this show, you can also get a discount at cheesyflicks.com. That's right, a full, fantastic, knowledgeable B-movie podcast and actual bargains on B-movies. That's once a month at bmoviebargainbin.com. Two men, two beards, two films, one show, the B-movie bargain bin. We can't and won't be better. Come on down today to bmoviebargainbin.com, just off Route 49, next to the star with all the stuffed sheep heads in the window. We dog it. There are men, and then there are second unit podcast men. The podcast you've just been listening to. Is part of the Second Unit Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on Facebook under the Second Unit Podcast Network. Our fantastic list of shows include Drunk on VHS, We Came from the Basement, No Budget Nightmares, The After Movie Diner, Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid, and Blood Baths and Boomsticks. Take one podcast into the shower... Don't be a blithering idiot, Alan. We can give you the multiple podcast cleansing system all in one place and your hair deserves. Our programming is available across all platforms from iTunes to Podomatic, TalkShoe to Stitcher, so you have absolutely no excuse. Listen today and a free naked person of your choice will be shipped from Thailand to your door in a matter of weeks. The Second Unit Podcast Network. Bringing you the action and leaving the boring stuff to the other guys. Bloody hell. Who does a girl have to blow around here to get a decent beverage? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.